welcome to All Right in Sin City, a podcast about writers and writing in the Windsor, Detroit region. Your podcasters today are Irene Moore Davis, author, educator, and local historian, Kim Conklin, Windsor based writer and filmmaker, and me, Sarah Jarvis, former bookseller, publishing rep, and literary festival chair. Don Gilmore is the author of To the River, which won the Governor General's Award for Nonfiction. He is the author of three novels, Long Change, Mount Pleasant, and Kanata, and the new Breaking and Entering. He is also the author of a two-volume history of Canada called Canada, A People's History, and has written nine books for children, two of which were nominated for a Governor General's Award. He was a senior editor at Walrus Magazine, and his journalism has appeared in Rolling Stone, GQ, Walrus, Saturday Night, Toronto Life, The Globe and Mail, and The Toronto Star. He has won 12 National Magazine Awards and numerous other honors, and Don Gilmore lives in Toronto. His latest book is Breaking and Entering, published by Biblioasis in 2023. And we are just so pleased that Don has been with us for BookFest 2023, BookFest Festival du Livre, recently in Windsor. Welcome, Don. Thank you. How and when did you first discover that you were a writer? Um, I think around the age of 15. I had It was like a fantasy. I had this fantasy that I would be a writer. And I imagined sort of that writers lived in cabins in the woods. You know, I didn't I didn't know any writers. And I didn't know any writers that lived in. I grew up in Winnipeg. And so I didn't know any writers in Winnipeg. And I had this idea that they all lived out somewhere in this sort of remote cabin. And I thought, well, that that could work. Was this influenced by Farley Mowat in any way? Um, no, I hadn't read Farley <laughs> at that point. Um, okay. Yeah, I was still kind of at the Hardy Boys. But uh, yeah, there you go. And was it Emerson or Thoreau whose mother came and did his laundry anyway? One of oh, those. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, my mother did do my laundry, but yeah, but yeah, she wouldn't yeah. come out to the woods to do it. <laughs> so prolifically through the years, you've published uh, nonfiction, fiction, history, children's literature, and a great deal of journalism. How do you carve out time for all those endeavors, with or without laundry? Do you tend to tackle one project at a time, or can you work on various forms of writing simultaneously? I usually have more than one thing going, and and often, I mean, often for the reason that if I get stuck on something, um, then I can just move to another project. And so, and the kids' books have always been very uh, kind of organic, where I've never sat down and thought, I'd like to write a kids' book today, and, you know, what would be a good idea? It's always been something that sort of lands on me, and then I sit down and write it. Um, so they, they come in different forms, but I usually have two or three things going at any given time. As a multi-genre writer, how does your writing process shift depending on what you're working on? Is there a certain routine that works well for fiction and a different one for journalism or a particular place of time, place or time? Um, no, I mean, I tend to, I like to work in the mornings, you know, for whatever I'm writing. But I find that, um, you know, fiction and nonfiction are they're kind of a cure for each other in a way. And, you know, when I used to do a lot of journalism, I would be sitting there interviewing someone and they would be incredibly dull and you would be, I'd be thinking as they're droning on, you know, it's too bad 
that this guy is an accountant instead of a you know astronaut or a lion tamer or something and um and you're always stuck with reality when you're doing nonfiction. and with fiction it's the opposite where sometimes you wish you had this grounding because anything can happen you can write anything anything can happen from day to day and so in, in a way they kind of i think um there's a lot of writers who do do both and i, I think that there is a sort of you know natural symbiosis with the two of them So Breaking and Entering is such a fascinating novel. The lead character, B. Billings, is a woman seeking some form of escape from her midlife crisis, her unfulfilling marriage, her stalled career, things that we see pop up in lots of works of fiction and nonfiction. She describes her world feeling as though it was suspended in aspic. But unlike a lot of other characters in this situation, she takes up lockpicking and soon Breaking and Entering becomes sort of her path to exhilaration. What was your inspiration for writing this book? Well, the inspiration came from two different directions. One is I had written a short story years ago uh, about a young man who broke into houses and he was in a relationship and he would he would leave every morning and he told his partner that um, he was off to work for a security company and um, she never did know that he was in fact a thief. And the idea was that we don't always know as much about our partners as we think we do. Um, and so that story sort of stuck with me. And I thought maybe that could go into something longer into a novel. And in conversations with female friends, I kept hearing this theme, you know, in our, when we were in our fifties and women would say, you know, this idea about turning invisible, um, you know, in your fifties. And so I thought about combining those two. And so making, having the same premise basically, but having the main character, a woman, and this idea that, you know, I think somewhere in the book, she talks about, the sort of Zen pinnacle of invisibility where she could actually walk into people's houses while they were there and steal things and, and they wouldn't even see her kind of pass by and, you know, wander off with their, you know, wine collection or whatever. He is a very endearing character. So you talked about your women friends. Is she based on them or did she take shape in another way? Um, what did you learn from her? Um, I have to say, if she was based on someone I knew, I wouldn't admit it uh, at this point. Um, but you no, know, she wasn't. Like there, there's bits and pieces from uh, various people, um, but the character isn't based on anyone. And I did take, uh, I did take some real life scenarios and apply them to the book. So, for example, there's a scene in the book where, on her fiftieth birthday, B has a brownie, the caterer gives her a brownie that has marijuana in it. And she takes a couple of bites, not knowing this, and then becomes spectacularly stoned. And um, this in fact did happen to a friend of mine who uh, was leaving the house one morning and there was banana bread sitting on the counter. And so she took a couple of slices and then found out later that her son who lives in the basement, it was his birthday and a friend had dropped off banana bread that was laced with THC. And she was sitting at the hairdresser and she looked in the mirror and she saw that her face was melting and she thought she was having a stroke. So she ran out of the hairdresser onto the street and realized she had lost the power of speech. She couldn't talk. And so a stranger on the street actually thought she was having a stroke as well and phoned an ambulance who came and, and she said she was just sort of very foggily putting this together that maybe there was something in that banana bread. And, um, 
but she was stoned for two days. And um, so, and I've heard a, a version of the story from two other people. And, you know, you would think that the sixties would have better prepared us for marijuana, but apparently not, I guess it's much stronger these days. So um, there are scenes that, that um, inform the book, but the, yeah, the character is really an invention. That was some impressive banana bread. Holy smoke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. The book is receiving a lot of positive attention. Um, what has delighted you the most about reader reaction to this novel or other reactions? Um, you know, I got a, uh, I have a website and get emails to the website and a, a woman um, wrote in and said that she said this was like I had been eavesdropping on her life and that everything in the book and I wrote back saying I hope that not everything um, <laughs> that is happening in your life is taken from the book but um, I, I, it's gratifying to see that you you've hit some sort of nerve especially given that you know it's a female character and this is the first time I've actually had a female character as the main character and um, you know which is a, a bit of an adjustment so it was very gratifying to hear that. I'm very interested in what you've just talked about. So, I mean, with this being the first time that your lead character was a woman, how did you prepare for that? And and how did that change your writing process to focus on the voice and the thoughts of a woman? Well, you know, one of the things I think it does, it, it, and in a way it's a kind of uh, helpful exercise because when you have a male character who's the central character, um, when you do run into problems, or even if you don't run into problems, you can often just go into your own head, uh, your own psyche, and, and you know, you can find these sort of masculine tropes, and they're very familiar, and sometimes maybe too familiar. And I think when you do have a female character, it sort of forces you out of your head. And in the case of B, and the case really of her sister, and to a lesser extent, her mother, um, you know, it's a more incremental process that as you're writing the book, you are becoming more informed about this character, basically. And she's kind of, she's taking on life as you go along. And and then, you know, I would go back and kind of fill in uh, what I now knew about her, but it really was a sort of exploration. And, um, and in some ways, you know, more satisfying than writing a male character. I know you're busy promoting this book right now and it's, it's hard to um to sort of focus on a different thing but are you working on new material right now is that part of your uh creative process to to cross-pollinate uh, i am i've got another novel on the go and um i'm working on uh a screenplay with a friend of mine who's a screenwriter uh based on a previous novel and so that's kind of an interesting exercise as well you know it's always it's always good, I think, to try something new, and um, and screenwriting is new. Would you like to read a little from Breaking and Entering for our listeners? Uh, sure, I'll. Um, I've got a little passage here, and um, this is the prologue. At night, the street regained its innocence. Everything still and stored away. A few lights were on, mostly for security. The people asleep. The air heavy and unmoving. The sound of air conditioning units, rattling, wheezing, struggling, a symphony. A few cats moving languidly. The line of cars, dark and foreign. There were so few lawns now. Everyone had prairie grass or Japanese maples or a juga, straw colored and dry. 
Once inside, you saw the furniture, the incomplete set of dishes, the big screen. The third floor is abandoned, impossible to keep cool in this weather. The shoes lined up near the door, always more than anyone could practically use. The keys in a ceramic bowl they'd brought back from Seville or Istanbul. Coats for every kind of weather except what they had right now, lined up on hooks waiting for fall. On the refrigerators, reminders and clever quotes held by magnetic bumblebees. On the calendars, days circled in red. But you needed to look farther than that, into the drawers that held vibrating toys, into the hard drives that held plans and bank accounts and fetishes, into closets containing expensive dresses bought on sale and never worn, revealing journals and medical histories and old love letters tied quaintly with string. Finally, you had to look into those sleeping heads, thoughts of adultery, wayward urges, unnamed panic, standing naked in front of the school assembly again trying to fly but having some trouble pursued by something lumbering and dangerous, the fear of poverty, of failure, the future. And the pragmatic nagging, did I turn off the stove? You did. Afraid for their vulnerable children and their suddenly vulnerable parents. And finally, a longing that was impossible to name, an ache that starts in your heart and spreads, waves of something, a heavy feeling that brings tears, a mix of nostalgia and sadness, and unmoored memories floating just out of reach. Every house held this, but you only took what was valuable. That was the key. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. What a tremendous, tremendous book this is. And thank you for the wonderful reading. The author is Don Gilmore. The new book is Breaking and Entering by Biblioasis. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Look for more episodes of All Right in Sin City wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out our website, allrightinsincity.com. For information and announcements of new podcasts, sign up to our email list or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.